This is a content and trigger warning. This episode contains sensitive and possibly triggering topics and discussion. Greetings, everybody. We're going to talk about guns and gun violence. Um, I'm going to start with a poem by uh, Brian Bilston um, called America is a Gun. You ready? England is a cup of tea, France a wheel of ripened brie, Greece a short squat olive tree, America is a gun. Brazil is football on the sand, Argentina Maradona's hand, Germany an oompa band, America is a gun. Holland is a wooden shoe, Hungary a goulash stew, Australia a kangaroo, America is a gun. Japan is a thermal spring, Scotland is a highland fling, oh better to be anything than America as a gun. Uh, I like that. It's a really great poem and, and something I think about a lot. Um, so we're going to talk about guns and gun violence today. There's lots to talk about. Super interesting. Um, we're going to go around and just do quick introductions. Who are you? Uh, what's your major? Where are you from? Okay. Um, I'm Danielle Lockwood. Um, my major is NRCM. That's Natural Resource Conservation and Management, for those who don't know. Um, I'm from Cape May, New Jersey. This topic is really intriguing to me. I feel like there's a lot to it, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm Nat Ross, uh, an environmental science major. Uh, I'm from Woodbridge, Virginia. Um, it's the same thing. It's, there's a lot of complexity to the topic. Uh, I'm Anthony Kendrick. I'm an environmental science major, and I'm from Foley, Alabama, and looking forward to the topic. Something I've had about my whole life yeah. around. So actually, before we get into your outline and, and some of your questions, um, can we just do very quickly, like, what are people's experience with guns here? That's actually the first thing Oh, is it? Cool. There you go. Initial perspectives. Um, Look at that. Nailed it. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've had really little exposure. My parents have them, but they don't use them recreationally or otherwise. Um, so I'm not in close proximity to them. Um, when I was in... Uh, junior high, I did experience about a three-hour lockdown due to a student bringing in an airsoft gun, um, which are considered firearms in the state of New Jersey. Uh, so the SWAT team did have to come in and uh, get us out of there to get that situation under control. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Um, I don't think that accurately encompasses the discourse surrounding firearms necessarily, but that's just my personal experience or lack thereof, if you want to call it, with the topic. Yeah, um, I never really grew up around guns. My parents don't own any. Um, people I surround myself don't own, own any. Uh, being pretty close to D.C., though, I'm about 30 minutes out. Like, gun violence definitely does have like an impact on my life. Um, Senior year of high school, I lost two of my peers to gun violence, um, which was, I don't know, not that obviously a lot of people grieved it, but it was just weird because it was that awkward COVID time. So I don't know. We didn't really talk about it a whole lot, and the grieving process wasn't very out there. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird just because I don't really have good opinion on guns, I guess, just because I don't really have value in them for my life personally. Mm. Um, I've always been around guns. Ever since I like, was able to walk, I've always been shooting them. Um, uh, yeah, I, like I've said, I've always been around them. Um, I, my grandfather, they've taught me how to shoot. My mother, we go to the gun range sometimes, so it's like, I mean, I own a few myself, so it's nothing out of the normal for me. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe that 
like obviously certain people shouldn't own them. Like there's way too many problems with them, and that's really it. Is like most people should just be careful what they own. Yeah, and we'll get into the shoulds, right? Like what what should we do about it? But it's a like um, I. Uh, grew up around guns um i am actually very good at shooting guns i've competed in some gun competitions before yeah um i used to teach hunter safety for the department of conservation um and so like i used to teach people how to hunt and shoot um i my daughter is training in biathlon right now so i you know last summer took her to the gun range in saranac lake and we showed her how to shoot a 22 and at a target and things like that um I, my dad is a lifetime NRA member. We always had guns in our house, um, always incredibly locked up, always ammunition locked up separately. My dad is an incredibly like um, safe storage kind of guy um, when it comes to guns and gun training. So um, I'm, it, it's it, <laughs> also, I was in high school when Columbine happened. And so, and Columbine was one of the first big school shootings. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a, the relationship between like your own personal relationship with guns and then like the society's relationship with guns is certainly something that is like fraught to say the least. Yeah. Very separate things, I think, for I th a lot of us. Yeah, I think we'll get into it, but I think there's, it's complicated. It's just a complicated topic. There's a lot of gray area for it, especially for guns. A lot of different beliefs. There's a whole rural-urban dimension to it. Gun violence yeah, in a city like Washington is very different from gun violence in a, in a rural area. Um, people use guns for different things in those places, so hunting culture is complicated. Um, yeah, and that's what I, one thing I was going to mention was the uh, diversity of language coming from you know from basically D.C. to here is very interesting. Um, just because in D.C. we have that polarity of like should be a lot stricter regulations and then people you know that's not right you know um especially considering january 6th because like i know people who went to it like my neighbor went to the rally before it and like it was funny actually because uh that was when we were still over zoom for classes and i had teachers that lived in dc and they're like i don't really know what's happening right now but it's like kind of scary yeah so it's also just interesting to think about we had um one of our Former, one of my former students was deployed to Washington, D.C. after January 6th because he was in military police in the National Guard. And they stood guard outside the Capitol during the inauguration and had shoot-to-kill orders. Um, yeah. Yeah, Interesting. It's, it's, um, my mother's cousin is Secret Service for Chuck Schumer, yeah. one of the senators, and they had, during January 6th, they said anybody gets close, you have authority to kill. Gun, look, I mean, we talked about this in class, but guns are technologies of power, right? And, mm -hmm. and if you have one, it, it, it gives you more power. And power, sociologically speaking, is the ability to influence the society. And so America, America is, a is a gun, right? I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason that people carry guns and, and have guns. And, and those reasons are very different. There's lots of different reasons that people do it, right? So um, where do you want to go? What, um, yeah, so I guess one thing, I feel like it's important, like, in addressing this discourse to talk about this, uh, this expectation of violence that we have in the United States, particularly between citizens, um, and emerging from our violent society. I, I definitely have kind of witnessed this being 
reason enough to cause the distress and fear that unsurprisingly begets more gun ownership as we've seen. Um, so I kind of just want to like talk more about that. What are we thinking? Like this violent society, where is this coming from guns? Are guns coming from this? What are, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Uh, I think like, I guess for me personally, the way that I think about it, I think about it in a very like social way or just like, I don't know. I feel like we have to fix a lot of our general social problems, like big mental health issues. Um, because like guns aren't necessarily the problem; it's the people that have them, I guess. Mm. Although having access to them, yeah, accelerates problems, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like <laughs> these problems. I mean, mental health issues exist in other countries, right? That's true. And so you know, there's there there are lots of other problems that are not unique to the United States. Yeah. Um, we just tend to try to usually solve them with guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. I guess just like uh, I meant more of like need to provide resources and other things like treating mental health first I guess so that maybe yeah. like there's that correlation but I don't really know if that yeah what are what are some of those things so along your your with your question Danny like so there's clearly mental health right mm -hmm. like we we have a huge like go back and listen to the episode on mental health like mm -hmm. there's a huge mental health issue yeah. in the country right mm -hmm. it would be awesome if we actually spent a lot of money like helping people with that especially coming out of COVID mm -hmm. COVID provoked a lot of mental health issues what are some of the other ones I really feel like there's this genuine idea of, I, I guess, I feel like almost in the way that our democracy has kind of been going, people don't feel like they have power outside of like violence. Like, I mean, people are seeing, you know, we're seeing uprising of protests, whether that be peaceful or not, you know, um, people are overwhelmingly, I think, seeing that they don't, they're running out of ways to represent themselves mm. in a way that's going to create an impact. I feel like a lot of, you know, school shooters have initiatives that go with these things, whether that be that they are, you know, have vendettas against anyone or whether that be some outside factor, like you're sending a message. It's a symbol of power. And yeah. through that, you're, you're exacting other initiatives or agendas yeah so like the the, the buffalo supermarket shooter right uh -huh. which I've, I've read his manifesto it's it's not actually the video is awful too it's his it's it's just it's a pathetic manifesto mm -hmm. i mean they're they're not actually interesting people <laughs> sorry. Mm -hmm. sorry i'm just speaking frankly like it's a it's um but that and that's animated by racism right um el paso walmart shooter animated by racism animated actually by environmental issues too which is particularly scary so but your point is a really interesting one that like in the absence of a society that actually like solves problems or takes care of people that ever like the rational response people feel like is I'm precarious so I need a gun mm -hmm. right so it's like we're never actually solving our problems we're just throwing more guns at them we're just mm -hmm. perpetuating violence yeah, yeah. and and I mean I we, we just talked about this but like recently there's been an uptick in black gun groups um, LGBTQ plus gun groups. Um, there are left-wing gun groups forming called John Brown Gun Clubs, which Google that one, um, because they look around when you talk to these people. One of my friends is a gay man and is buying his first handgun. And he was like, I never thought I would own a handgun. I mm -hmm. saw him the other day and he was like, I'm buying a gun. And he, and he, you could see that he was extremely disturbed by that, like that mm -hmm. that was the choice that was available to him 
because he looks around at the society and goes, I'm unsafe. Yeah, can't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, can't bring a knife to a gunfight. God, that's dark. It's like the solution is always more guns. I mean, I feel like it's not just like the people within it, too. It's like more I, people have an idea that the government won't protect them. That's why they buy guns. Yeah. Is like, I mean, as you've seen by members recently, the approval rating for the government has gone down. Yeah. Uh, what? Biden has like a 37%. It's pretty low. Trump was pretty low. Yes. Like, like all, everybody, but most recent yeah. years, everybody's just been low in government. Yeah. You, like you said, in, uh, the Supreme Court. Supreme has, Court is low. That's had problems now, too. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Clarence. Yeah. I mean, but that, like, that makes sense, though, just because, like, it's like true, our government won't protect minorities. I mean, gun violence yeah. against the black community, specifically with mm-hmm. the police, all the time, you know, statistics aren't accurately documented because it's not seen as, like, the, they're, they're non-justifiable deaths, so they're mm-hmm. not accounted for. And the government, I mean, what, Reagan took away uh, owners for, for black people, for black, uh, the Black Panthers. I know, I love this little historical fact. It's something yes. I think about a lot, right? That like when Reagan, who's a Republican. Yeah, was, for Reagan being a Republican, he had the Automatic Gun, uh, gun Control Act. He yeah. took away guns from minority groups. Yeah. He really wasn't the greatest for gun ownerships. Well, for certain gun owners. Yes, for right? anybody that wasn't. Yeah, running. Carol Anderson, a uh, historian, uh, wrote a book recently called The Second, about the Second Amendment. She's, she's a black historian. She's argued, she basically argues that black people have never had the rights the same rights as white people to own guns. And it being the Second Amendment, every American should be able to use it. Doesn't matter your race, gender. Theoretically. Yes, mm-hmm. but I mean, obviously, that's why people own them. Yeah. Is that the government doesn't protect them? So, so here's a fun like, I mentioned this in class too. But uh, Roxanne Dunbar Ortiz, who's an indigenous historian, wrote a wrote a book on this, the history of the Second Amendment. And her her argument in that book is that the Second Amendment comes about in the United States during a time of intense settler colonialism. And it's, it's essentially uh, uh, authorizes white settlers to liquidate land and kill off indigenous people, basically so they could make profit. And so for her, her argument is that guns have always been about social control. It's always been about some people being able to control others through violence, right? Mm-hmm. So Reagan, actually, it's, it's, bring it back to Reagan for a minute, right? Like, signs this law to keep Black Panthers from mm-hmm. having guns. Because the Black Panthers, Huey Long, who was the attorney for the Panthers, he was a constitutional attorney. And he was like, no, I got the Second Amendment. I'm going to stand out here with a shotgun and make sure the police are not violating our rights. Mm-hmm. And Reagan was like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Not you. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. So who gets to own a gun? Who gets policed for having guns? Deeply embedded by social issues. Yeah. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about, which kind of relates to your friend, your gay friend, who you were saying just recently was kind of mortified by the prospect of like needing to do that. When we're talking about people who can't or won't willingly possess guns, how do you, how do you approach that? How are they going to participate in protecting themselves from gun violence if what we're overwhelmingly seeing is that people are doing that only by getting more guns or just being taken out of the debate fully by death through gun violence? So is your question like? I'm thinking in terms of like school children. Like school children can't defend themselves. We can say that you know those adults can do that if we yeah. if we're arming our teachers. Even um, that doesn't work. Exactly. There's, there's a ton of research on so this. So how do we how do that, we advocate for that those that people? That actually doesn't yeah. do anything. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you advocate for those people? 
we can't arm them. What are we gonna do? I mean, it's a it's the the way you solve this is through politics. I mean, that's that's what you do, right? Politics is about creating laws and policies that influence everybody, and I think that's part of the reason why we haven't really solved this problem is because the politics are actually really hard. On this Maybe one. because politics have become not that has not become a way to solve things and have instead become a way to um, just argue. Yeah. It's like, hey, how about we argue on a really large scale and cause even more problems for yeah. everyone? You know, you were you mentioned something that I'm still thinking about, which is related to this during class today, which was like, you know, it's like we we have a mass shooting every week in this country now, and like, are we desensitized to it? And and I think the consensus I heard in class was like, kind of, but the 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 frustration is is that we just seem stuck, like. We all know it's a problem, but yet we can't actually solve it. Like, I feel that way. I feel it feels it feels stuck. It feels like this debate is stuck. Mm -hmm. And like one of the articles I read that was like one of the big things was that like we're desensitized to the topic, but the anxiety around gun violence in general is increasing. Yeah, yeah. So much so that like I was looking at news reports yesterday of school children walking out of their schools around the country. To, to protest this, and I mean, maybe that's what it's going to take. I did that in high school. You did that in high school. Mm -hmm. I have friends that are, you know, my wife is a physician, and I, so I have a lot of physician friends. My wife has treated gun violence and has seen it up close, and has seen people, seen children not survive it. And so, most of the emergency room physicians I know, they make the argument that like we should, we should have immense amounts of gun control. They because they've. They've seen it in a way that I think a lot of the country hasn't. Um, I sent you all that Washington Post article the other day about what an AR-15 mm -hmm. does to a child's body. Mm -hmm. We can put that in the show notes. It's, it's worth reading. It's really interesting to think about. Um, your question gets at something. I'm just trying to be mindful of time here. What would you actually do to solve this? Like, What are some of the big like social structural things that would help if you're never going to solve it? There's, 400 million guns in this country. There's more guns than people. So like, what does it even mean to solve this mm -hmm. problem, right? Maybe it's like when a kid is being really, like, when, it, when a kid misbehaves and then the parent, like, takes something away from them because, you know, they're, they're happy that they have this thing. So they're like, oh, I have the freedom to do that now. So maybe... Not that it's an answer, but maybe it's just like, okay, we got to take away the guns until you learn how to use them right. So I don't I feel know. Like that's where people But like, that's stop. such a big scale to do that. Because that's like an overreach. Like an amendment, right? So, like, just get rid of guns completely. I mean, that's how I've seen it. People think as, like, yeah. oh, once they go for one thing, they're not going to stop. You give an inch, you take a mile. You know what's interesting? Um, I'm going to get really nerdy here for a minute. Um, the, the, one of the big gun cases that the Supreme Court ruled on was called D.C. versus Heller. Mm -hmm. And in D.C. versus Heller, it's the first time that the Supreme Court basically codifies or, or says that it's an individual right, not a militia, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Antonin Scalia, who's a conservative jurist, he's not around anymore, he died, but he writes in that opinion, it's actually an amazing opinion, you should read it. it it's, he writes that, like, yes, it's an individual right, but governments, local governments can still set boundaries around what kind of technologies they want to allow, right? And so, so he, what he's trying to do is like thread the needle there and say like, yeah, you have a right to this thing, 
but we as a society can determine that like you can't buy an F-16 because it's like, you know what I mean? Like we already set the limit, like machine guns, fully automatic machine guns are already illegal, right? Mm -hmm. So you have like a yeah, right. But like, you know, you can't really no get... No common man is going to... Right. We already set limits yeah. around what we allow. And so it's just a question of like, where is that, that limit? Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Mm -hmm. um, there are... So New York State, gun violence rates are different in different states. And it depends on the state that you're in. And it depends on the system of laws that regulate guns in those states. New York State has one of the lowest rates of gun violence in the country because we have some of the strictest gun laws. We set some of the, you can still have a gun, you just have to have, it's a pretty high bar. You have to, you have to get that bar. I think the lowest is Hawaii. So it's, so it's like states like Louisiana, Alabama, really so high like, levels of gun violence. And it makes sense too, because like you go into anyone's house, you know they have a gun. Yeah. Like you're not gonna walk into a house thinking, oh, they have no, nothing in here. Yeah. But it's not more seen as like a tool really. So, uh, it's so funny to me though, because there's this perception that like the New York City is so dangerous, and like when you actually look at the statistics, yeah. it's not. It's actually safer than like rural Louisiana, right? It's it's just fascinating. What do we mean by dangerous? Um, let's. Do you, you want to talk about like uh, I I was talking about social trust, mm -hmm. and I I don't know if you want to say something about that or. Yeah, I guess it's interesting. I mean. I, I feel like we're seeing a time of people being pretty open uh, and comfortable either in their advocacy for certain groups or in their opposition for certain groups, which I know personally for me as a female, as a queer person, walking around and wondering like which people are firmly in opposition of you know some of my core values and also my existence, it makes me really on edge, like it puts me on edge and it, it just drains me of my social trust. I really am walking around thinking, you know, are you the Americans that other countries are talking about and like making fun of us over or are you the people who are really trying to revolutionize what's going on here? And it's, it's just hard because I feel like it's not unlikely that any person you're gonna find could be one of those people who are dangerous to you. And it changes. I, you know, am in some of the, I'm a part of some of the marginalized groups. There are certain groups who feel like they're protecting something that maybe is never threatened, has never been taken from them. It's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole society where, you know, everybody feels threatened, mm -hmm. right? Um, Jennifer Carlson, in her sociology work on this, you know, calls it precarity, that we're all, we all feel precarious. You live in a country that makes you feel precarious, that it's actually quite rational to carry a gun. So, <laughs> I don't know if you felt this Ooh. way. When I'm in Denmark, I don't feel like I'm about to get murdered. No, I was so content. It, it really do, you really do feel differently. You're aware of yourself differently in space. It's hard to, it's hard to explain. I still don't quite realize, mm -hmm. like, coming, like, coming back to the United States, I felt on edge. Mm -hmm. I still feel on edge, right? Because you, you just always kind of wonder, like, you know, I put my kids on the school bus every day, and I'm like, is this the day? And I hate that I have to have that thought. I have that, I have that fucking thought every day. I hate it. Like as a parent, I hate it. And I don't know, like, my Dan, you know, Jonas, you Americans aren't free. That's what he says to us. You think you're free, you're not very free. It's interesting. 
Mm. That's like interesting though, since we're like here in Saranac Lake, because I feel a lot safer here than I am at home. Interesting. Because it's so frequent at home. I mean, I mentioned it last class, but like when I was home for spring break, my mom was like, "Oh, you see the shooting in the neighborhood last night," and they're like, "It's such a casual thing," and that's I think what terrifies me too. It can really change too. Like um, back home, it was always a safe area. Like there's occasionally a few, one or two, but uh, recently down at the beach, uh, somebody got shot. Like there's a group, a group of people. Uh, he was like shot like six times in the back trying to run away and so it's definitely changed my mom has been telling me back home it's changed like how people perceive guns now especially in group areas like the beach where a lot of people crowd around yeah and especially as i was telling too uh the new alabama uh, constitutional carry too is that anybody above 19 can carry one yeah there's no permit required yeah there's there's uh, this interesting kind of thing here about like public space and like, do we actually have like shared public space? Who, who can who controls public space, right? Because one of the reasons why, like statistically speaking, actually most gun violence isn't school shootings or or suicides. It's suicides and homicides, intimate partner violence usually. And so like that's a that's actually most gun violence. And so um, so there, like scholars who study this would say like if you want to actually move the needle on gun violence, you get people better health care. You you, you deal with uh, fragile masculinity and men needing to constantly control everything, including with violence, right? Like, that's much harder work, I think. That's hard work. But, yeah, I'm always, I always am like fascinated with the like boys and their guns kind of like culture. It's a really powerful culture. I was thinking about that, how, uh, I don't know if this is like, an experience for any of you as well, but like there were the there were like the 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 kids in high school who were like the World War Two army kid who like knew everything about all that. Yeah. You know? And like a lot of the times would have would either wear like camo and sometimes would have Blue Lives Matter stuff. It was very like brainwashed and propaganda y and it's like how did this happen? You're like fifteen, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, America is a gun, right? Like, this is the, my friend Lyle just wrote a book on this as, a, as an ex-Marine, and, and he, um, yeah, it's, and uh, his argument in the book is that, like, the whole culture is built up around kind of domination, whether it's foreign policy and the military, but also police, but also masculinity, and so it, it pervades society. Um, I used to go to gun shows. I've been to a lot of gun shows. And like you go to gun shows, you see a lot of military paraphernalia, you see a lot of police stuff. Every gun show has that one guy who's also like selling neo-Nazi stuff. Yeah. So like the racial politics of those places are fascinating as well. Um, there's always that one guy, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I recently went to one in Pennsylvania and we thought it was just a normal gun show. I guess it was more like a, like I've had uh, a Proud Boy member come up to me, he's like, hey, I'm like, I'm not interested. So it's like a recruiting. Yeah, it was it's like, like a recruiting. recruiting. Thing. We thought it was just a normal gun show because it's held at a gun gun store. Like we went to the store and everything, but it was more of less like there's a lot of the people there trying to sell stuff based on racial stuff. Yeah. Like they had a lot of Nazi memorabilia. Some. Yeah. They're talking a lot about like communist China stuff like that. It was really like alt right, like very far right. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Situation. So that was interesting to see. Yeah. I've never really seen it with my own eyes. I've always heard it on the media. Using so, guns as a leverage point for yeah, that being like, well, yeah, you can and, relate to us through this. And um, the thing is that there's a group of people there that think like Jesus is like the reincarnation of the AR-15. Like that's the religion. It's a bunch of, yeah. Wow. It's a real thing in Pennsylvania. 
That's amazing. So it's like it's almost like gun as a religious. Yeah, it's, as a, as gun a, is like their kind of, I guess, their Bible. Yeah, their in anthropology, figure. it's a feti- yeah. it's a fetish object. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an object that has special power, Newcomb. right? Jesus is a gun. Yeah. Jesus is a gun. Yeah. The um, no, I mean this does get That's wrapped up in religion as well. But yeah, I mean there's a long history of violence and and religious violence too, and and not just Christianity. I mean religions. I mean. There's a lot of violence. There's just a lot of violence. I don't know. I just want a world with more joy and less suffering. Mm. I just like, I hate that my kids have to do lockdown drills in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? I hate that I have to know that kids still have to do lockdown drills in school. You know? Yeah. I once had to do it. Mm-hmm. I think we can all relate to that What's here. It's interesting to me like, that children are now starting to walk out of school and refuse to go to school. Um, my physician friends have often talked about just shutting down hospitals, like like striking and basically saying like we're not gonna, we're not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you could have a kind of nationwide like medical and educational care workers, really care workers who have to take care of this stuff, right? Who do just like enough. Yeah, but those things they don't really affect the people up top. That's the thing. It's only the people at the bottom. Yeah. The health workers, they're not gonna. They have the officials, stuff. Yeah. yeah, they're not gonna help the officials. They're gonna help your common. I don't know, man. They just gain back, pour back. What you, is it? Three percent of people to make a change or something like yes, that. Yeah, you, it sh- is. you sh- shut down an educational system and a medical system. Like people would pay attention to that pretty yeah. quickly, but it'd be incredibly it hard to, to do. Yeah, would people though. die? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how do you do that? I have no idea. I mean, clearly, it's like we just we just keep churning on, right? Like it's like we're all stuck in this big machine. And the solution is just oiling it with more guns. <laughs> Good times. All right. Well, that was fun. I'm glad we solved that problem, everybody. Oh, problem over with. Done. Solved it. Done. Uh, all right.